You are listening to the Enormo Cast. Do you remember those halcyon days back in January when every ray of sunshine felt like a warm hug from a celestial being? Skiing, climbing, we yearned for its caress. But now that it's dead summer, the tables have turned. The sun now stalks us like an enormous toddler with a magnifying glass. The burning orb, the Death Star, call it what you will. Just don't be caught out at noon on some edgy crimp fest lest your feet swell and your tips shred. But Black Diamond has a way to fight back. My favorite piece of BD apparel, the Alpenglow hoodie. Built with UPF sun protection, pits for movement, a hood designed to go under your helmet, and even some sort of odor control next-gen tech to help with that sour fear stink we all work up on the NAR. Or is that just me? Is that a thing with everyone, the, the stinky pits after being scared? But frankly, if you aren't basically living in a sun hoodie during the summer months, you may in fact be an iguana. But at least now, your tongue can go from 0 to 60 in 1 one-hundredth of a second. Don't just feel the burn, bite the burn. And check out the Alpenglow hoodie and all the great gear at BlackDiamondEquipment.com or your favorite local shop. Are you stuck in the partner zone where that person you climb with is blithely unaware of your electric longing that's telegraphing through that stiff gym rope? Does she think of you as just another dude she schools in the bouldering cave? Does he tell his friends you're just like one of the guys? Well, break out of the partner zone and let that person know that your rock is in a hard place with a special gift from PeterWGilroy.com. Because if you thought making sure her chalk bag was always full or buying him a set of cams for his half birthday would bring out the passion, you're wrong. Do it the right way and go to PeterWGilroy.com for rock-inspired jewelry and accessories that say, to me, you're more than just a solid belay, baby. And of course, remember to enter Enormo at checkout for a discount. Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? Are you playing here? We're doing the uh, Enormo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, big place. That's, out. Out That's a big nice. place. You sold it's it out. Out. I'll see. We really should. Look, you better get up there before you panic. Those pens are loose. You're very good. I have really enjoyed playing with you. We'll make it. I don't think so. But we shall continue with style. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment, La Sportiva, and with support from Maxim Ropes. Maxim has been keeping the normal cast off the deck since 2012. And don't forget our charter sponsor, Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Enorma at checkout for a discount on great coffee and to support the Enorma cast. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome. Hello and welcome. Get it in your ear. Hello and welcome to the Enorma Cast. This is your host, Chris Calouse. It is about 1045 on June 23rd, 2022, and this is episode 244 of the Enorma Cast, the return after a long hiatus, seven or eight year hiatus, Hazel Findlay. Hazel is definitely one of my all-around favorite climbers. In general, not just professional climbers, climbers in general. 
so badass, so accomplished, so low key, so down to earth, very nice, very smart, very generous, very British, all of it. One package right there, Hazel Finlay on the show today. And what's going on in my life? Does anyone care? Is this where you start pressing the 30 second skip button? You know how it is. You better press it a few times until you hear Hazel, and then you got to come back, miss the start because you went too far. Anyway, leaving for a big trip, road trip with the family up to northern Wyoming, Montana. Doing family stuff, but may hit some climbing areas. So next couple weeks, if you hear this and you end up there, keep an eye out. Be looking for partners, actually, doing the uh, family thing. One person with the kid, one person climbing. Also, last message for this in two weeks, three weeks, whatever, going to Lander. A few tickets left. They'd love to sell them out. So if you're heading up there, get your tickets now. What comes with the ticket? I have no idea, actually. Just uh, go to the website, check it out, climbersfestival.org. Find out what you get with that ticket. All right, Hazel Finlay. Do I need to introduce Hazel Finlay? Do you know who this woman is? You'd have to be really hiding out to not know who Hazel Finlay is. But let me just uh, highlight a few things. First, female ascent of Golden Gate, plus I think the premiere. Free climb El Cap several times. Of course, well-known for climbing scary routes over there in the UK and maybe worldwide. She understands the E-grading system. For that alone, we should admire her. Or maybe she doesn't, and she just got on those routes anyway. That, that's how she got them done. She's just like, I don't get this either, but I'm going to climb this thing. So yes, well-known as a trad climber, but also it turns out, and we get to this in this interview, she's a great sport climber as well, and has bouldered, I think she says V12. And she was a comp climber as a kid, as a younger person. She was British champion, I'll have you know, to quote Hazel Finlay. So, one of the best all-around climbers the world has ever seen, actually. And she's also a podcaster. So, I like to talk to podcasters about their podcast ideas, why they podcast, how they feel about podcasting. I like that community. So, we talk about that a bit, too. All right, you ready? Hazel Finlay. When it comes to Sportiva, I often praise the longevity of their venerated classics like the Mira. Because, well, if it ain't Baroque, don't fix it. Italian Baroque, that is. But as we know, I'm a stick in the mud whose glory days are well behind him. But you, dear listener, still have your best days waiting to jump out at you like a puppy wearing a backpack full of caramel corn. So hey, forward thinkers, let's take a gander at what's new over at Sportiva.com. The redesigned Cantana Lace is an absolute edging machine. The updated Tarantula line provides comfort and performance at a price point for everybody. The TX2 Evo adds even more performance to Sportiva's stow-and-go approach shoes. And the new Mantra is a minimalist slipper so light and flowy, you'll swear you accidentally showed up to the gym in only your underwear. Just like in that dream you had last night. Don't worry, I just looked down too. So when it comes to keeping you thinking ahead... Sportiva is there with innovation at every turn. Why not see what's up and head over to Sportiva.com or follow them on Instagram. And remember, Sportiva is a proud sponsor of the EnormaCast. Uh, 2013, is that what I just said? Yeah. 2013, since you were on the EnormaCast, I remember feeling as though you were quite a get. I don't know. I, you. It was like, you know this cool woman doing rad stuff like 
I mean, semi-professional at that point or like dipping in, you were in the creek and you, you actually came up and you had a full on classic, a normal cast experience of doing it in the, in the old RV. Yeah. Um, it was cold it as was, well, I remember. Yep. And we'd come to Moab to escape a storm or mm -hmm. something. Yes, at which I, point I cast my net yeah. and, and reeled you in because we could sit inside and drink tea. <laughs> yeah, I think I was pretty psyched on that part. So I think I finished uni in like 2011. So I would have been a pro climber for two years at that right, point. Right. But, um, you know, dirtbag slash pro climber, like yeah, certainly yeah. not having my life paid for, yeah. you know, in any kind of big way. Yeah. And you were just basically like locked into the creek at that moment. And, yeah. and by that, like, you know, you weren't in, in Adam Andra's like full giant RV with his entourage. You were like living in the dirt style. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah like coming back to your tent after like a day in Moab escaping a storm where like eight of your friends have rented one motel room so that it's cheap enough for you to stay. And then you get back and all of your tents are completely buried under the snow and you've got to dig them out. Yeah. And then you've got to sleep in a sleeping bag that's like half wet and half covered in sand. <laughs> yeah, and you weren't being whisked to Moab in, in the Red Bull chopper. No. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, you, you, were, you were psyched, right? You were, yeah. you were like living the life. Like, totally, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. a dream in a way yeah. um, at that point. Um, you must have been like early 20s. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but yeah, I remember thinking it was really cool to get you on the show. And God, so much has happened like to both of us in that, that amount of time. I'd like to think we've become friends in, in a way, just seeing each other every once in a while when you're in the States and always um, having a good chat or spending some time together. I even ended up in your uh, audio. I had an audio yeah. part in your, in your conception film. Yeah. Um, but you remember I had that really bad cough and you were really scared of me getting you sick. Maybe. Oh, and then I fucked up your ascent. And that was pre-COVID as well, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, maybe not. Who knows? Maybe I was patient oh. zero and like <laughs> You've been hanging out in Wuhan. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and then, um, yeah, I, I get to, I think I yell, come on, Hazel, or something. And then, um, yeah, people um, spotted your voice, oh, didn't they? Oh, for sure. They, they were yeah. like, is that what's cool? Yep, it was. Yeah, I did. I got a bunch of messages about it. So, That's and I funny. listened, and then I was like, oh, I got to listen because I watched the film and didn't notice myself. Right, and I went that's back funny. And I was like, oh yeah, that is me. That was a real battle that route. Fuck yeah. So hard. The other thing I remember is I ruined one of your tries that day. Do you remember that? No. So I'm glad because I've stewed on it that you don't remember it. Oh cool. Um, because I, I, you had tried it, and then I was like, "Can I try it?" And I like flailed yeah. up it, and just by virtue of climbing above the start because of the rock, I just rained enough sand down on those starting holds. That then your next oh. try, you know, that little, yeah. that freaking move like 10 feet up the ground or whatever. Yeah. Your next try, that hold that you go oh, to is sandy. all sandy. It's because, such a sandy route. Oh, it's so sandy. It's like the perfect line, right? But it's just sandy. Yeah. And so hard. Anyway, I apologize, even though you Yeah, I don't remember it. it okay, so. good. <laughs> You're off. I felt terrible. Now I remember it, so <laughs> if I hadn't done the route, I would be mad at you. <laughs> exactly. But I eventually got up it, so it's all right. <laughs> she didn't do conception. Her sponsors dropped her. She lives under <laughs> <Yeah>. a bridge. <laughs> All because I got that hand yeah. that freaking hold, Sandy. <laughs> if I can afford a plane ticket, I'm going to kill that guy. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyhow, I appreciate you uh, letting me join you on that little adventure. So, yeah, but one of the things that's happened that I, I kind of want to open with is you got into the podcast world. Mm. And um, I sort of warned you that we would talk about this. And the reason I did that is because 
I'm often asked to talk about my podcast and um, I think I have a pretty good spiel by now, but I've, I've been, I've been in, in it for a longer game. Mm. So tell me a little bit about, not about the podcast, people can go and listen to it um, specifically, but like made you think that that was a good idea other than the obvious, like <laughs> overwhelming success of the enormous cast. Yeah. It's just following you and <laughs> <laughs> you're such an inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I just love podcasts. Mm-hmm. I just love podcasts and I like chatting to people and I like having an excuse to talk to people in a way that maybe you wouldn't otherwise. Mm-hmm. You know, like if we, we just hang out every now and again and chat like at the crag for a few minutes or like at the pub or whatever, it's not the same conversation as being sat down with this kind of protected space and you have the freedom to ask people questions that, probably come off like a bit too probing in natural conversation sure, you know yeah so i just kind of like that basically so yeah it was really just from like a personal desire to do that and you know i i sort of consider myself amina who who does the podcast with me we're like hobbyist podcasters you know you're like a pro we don't make money from the podcast at all we don't have any sponsors mm. some people can donate to it if they want but it you know, it doesn't go anywhere. So we are really chill about it. Like we don't like occasionally I'll look and see how many people are listening, but I just don't pay any attention whatsoever in like selecting the guests based on who I think people will like. It's all just who I'm psyched to speak to. And then if other people can enjoy that too, then that's cool. Right. And we, and some people are really enjoying it. So it seems worth it to make that effort to share it. I mean, I'm a huge like evangelical, um, even though that word in the States is loaded uh, for for the form. You know, Um, I I, like so many things about it. I think have changed media. It's it was influenced, obviously, by radio. But now I think it's turned around and like influenced other sort of spoken word type media in a lot of ways. Um, What what's your sort of take on podcasting as as a medium and and what you know good and bad comes with that in terms of what you've encountered on your on your mission i mean how many episodes do you have off the top of your head yeah no maybe like 30 yeah, that's just yeah. literally random guess I yeah, don't know. yeah. <laughs> um more than 20 i think what's really cool about podcasting um and long-form conversation in general is that you know the way that media was going is that it was all it left no room for nuance, right? Because people's attention spans are getting smaller and smaller. Like, you know, Twitter is however many characters. Like, news programs are just chopped to the point where it's like you can say a statement, but you can't then add all of the nuance you need to actually understand a topic properly. And to be able to have, like, the freedom of thought to, like, critique what the person is saying or whatever, right? And when I started listening to podcasts, it was, it just felt like such a breath of fresh air for me because I was like, wow, they are getting like into the weeds here. They're rooting around. They're exploring these ideas. And, you know, I'm a student of philosophy and it's all, it's all about that. Right. And I just love the fact you could listen to these conversations where people were like, it's almost, you know, they're on citing their interpretation of a topic, you know, through the art of conversation. It's like this back and forth like reveals things that you probably didn't even know that you thought about something or 
and it's just like a cool thing and so I think that that everyone has just everyone who kind of loves nuance and hates what media prior to podcasts was doing to topics just really loves podcasts for that reason you know so what we've aimed to do with our podcast is similar you know we want to we want to pick these difficult kind of topics and get into them and try and tread that line between kind of purposefully irritating people and like talking about things that are sensitive but also like going there you know and being brave and and talking about difficult ideas and that's kind of you know both Mina and I share that um kind of mission but you know if you read the tagline of our of our podcast it's no rules just long form conversation and Mm -hmm. that's the thing we don't we don't really edit it we don't have any kind of format it's not rigid at all like we we also just talk to climbers and chat about climbing sometimes too and we don't talk about anything like particularly nuanced or interesting so yeah it's just literally whatever (laughs) yeah well i mean you know what you said about um you know it being like completely casual and and not having sponsors and things like that i think that partially that's that's one of the things about the forum is that so grassroots that you can produce something and have it have this value besides an economic pay for play kind of value and i think that's to me like your podcast and that that style is is a big cornerstone of podcasting that yeah this is worth my time just to do it and something like this you know 25 years ago needed enough production as to be you know not accessible for just a person um and and so i think that's really cool and you know mine it, it started like that it evolved into something of a job and therefore it needed to be paid for um but yeah i know but it's still kind of like wild like what i sort of get away with i think on mine with Mm. not necessarily like that i go heavy on like controversial topics but obviously like my ads and um things like that it's kind of blows my mind but it but it feels like podcasting just is everybody agrees it's you're allowed to just be in the wild west and just do whatever you want yeah that's what people like about it it just makes such a change from your created instagram posts Mm -hmm. and i think that's why we wanted it to be a hobby and not a paid thing i think i think it's great that you know people like you exist you've made it a a profession because it's it's just you you do more you have more guests there's high production quality and i think (laughs) there's you know space for that but i think it's also cool that like you can do it i mean it's still time but I think it's cool that you can just do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think what what's really nice is moving towards this, you know, the, the listeners pay. I, I think we we slowly need to start putting good content like this behind paywalls, you know. It's like, if you get it for free, you have to involve sponsors and ads and all that kind of stuff, which then, you know, it's, it's cool that you have, feel like you have so much freedom, but it's also a worry that then they you know, they can choose the guests or they don't like something you've said or, I mean, it's fine within this industry that's Mm -hmm. all pretty chill, but in other industries, it's probably going to be different. And so I think that like Patreon, you know, Mm -hmm. like what uh, Stephen's doing at the Nugget Climbing podcast is I think a really nice model because you are creating value. You're creating a product. Anything else in the world that you create as a product, people expect to buy it but for some reason online 
products we don't think that we should have to pay for. But I think that needs to change because if you want actually good quality, like, you know, I pay for my news now because like free news is terrible. <laughs> you know, yeah. if, you, if you actually want a decent journalism, you should pay for it mm. because this, this is something that they're providing is to do good journalism. Well, it's, it's a lot of time, you know, it's a lot of people's jobs. Right. So anyway. This yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm doing both, right? I've got yeah, the, the, yeah. the, the Norma cast is sponsored. And, you know, lately I've been kind of like, you know, sort of promoting or pushing the fact that, yeah, this is not behind a paywall um, because mm -hmm. it's because at this point it's sort of differentiating me from from yeah, some of the okay. other podcasts. Yeah. And so I'm like, yeah, there is no bonus material because you guys get it all. So support yeah. the mods. But, you know, the truth is, is that a lot of people donate just out of the goodness and kindness of yeah. their hearts, which has been it's been off a little bit this year. Um, but I mean, even in 2020, I was kind of blown away. Like I figured out, oh, fuck, everybody's out of work and blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, people were, I think, leaning heavily on the, you know. Got on, so much out of it. Well, yeah. And just having someone to, to listen to yeah. in isolation, you know. Totally. And um, so, but yeah, so it, it, I'm doing both, you know, in, in the runouts Patreon. But, um, you know, it's, it's still all like work. Yeah. And we should all be paid for it. But the interesting thing with you too, though, is and is Mina a professional climber? Yeah, yeah, uh, kind of, kind yeah. of, yeah. But I mean, you're sort of all in on it. Plus, you have your, you know, you, you're doing clinics and you have all your writing on on sort of uh, on your mental prep, which we can talk about in a little bit too. You know, so then like something like this becomes something like the podcast becomes part of your kind of portfolio of of who you are as a professional climber. So I think it has value there. You know, it's like yeah. You know, because that's kind of part of what a professional climber just does is make sure people keep hearing their name. Yeah, um, true. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I don't I don't know what my sponsors think about it, but um, they don't. They don't. They don't. I don't even. They, they don't. probably don't even no. know that it's it exists. I, yeah. Some of the <laughs> many of the people who sponsor my show don't know they sponsor my show. So. Yeah. <laughs> just like, but yeah, one of my sponsors was like, hey, you should get this person and this person on the podcast I was like if you want to sponsor even though I, I wouldn't accept, right. accept this but, but you know it's like mm, <laughs> this isn't this is I want this to be separate from my pressure sure. I get your point but it mm -hmm. does kind of need to be somewhat separate but otherwise you end up then just selling the stuff that you have to as a professional climber right and mm -hmm. it's nice to so sometimes protect some of the things that you do from that I know this World Cup footballer that climbed all seven summits. Do you want to talk to him? <laughs> <laughs> Don't know who that is. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, there was an NFL guy that, okay. like a former NFL guy that I kept getting emails about how he climbed. Oh, yeah. I love it when people say, hey, how about you have this person on your podcast um, and talk about this topic, right. which happens to be related to this product that we're selling? I'm like, No. <laughs> I mean, it's their job to do that. I, I'm yeah, I know, but and I'm actually, just like, I've, I've, like sometimes I've found an angle and been like, oh yeah, that actually will work. But um, but it's still it's their like, job to try to get their ass. Yeah, but they're still asking for something for free. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, to talk for an hour about some a product, mm -hmm. you know, even if it's just mentioned a few times, is like you should pay for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Well, you know, the caveat here is that we're sitting at Black Diamond right now. Yeah. <laughs> Hazel, Black Diamond athlete podcast supported by Black Diamond, Black Diamond, Black Diamond. Do we mention stuff. Black Buy their camps. Buy their shit. Yeah, definitely buy their camps. Yeah, they're really good. 
Look, you know, this I'm is I'm on my your package. podcast as a professional athlete. Totally. But when I podcast, I, I'm a podcaster, sometimes interviewing other professional athletes, but right. then the table will turn because they could be from any brand. Yeah. Well, We're not biased. Yes. We're not biased at the uh, Curious Clown podcast. Yeah. Same with this. I mean, obviously, I don't just interview black diamond athletes <laughs> or sportive athletes or whatever. Uh, what do you wear on your feet? Last put your shoes. Oh, okay. So you're, I, you're just right in my wheelhouse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're also great shoes, great shoes. Yeah. Buy them, buy it, buy <laughs> Anyway, moving on. Sportiva. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to do the meanest question, podcast question of all. Like, what's your like favorite episode? Tell me something like, if you can think about it, like a, a moment where you were sort of thinking like, I'm being rewarded right now with like the the promise of what I thought this would be. Can you talk about a conversation or something that you remember being like, okay, we're in it. This is like peak curious climber moments. You can take a minute. Yeah. No, I mean, what, uh, one of the conversations that comes to mind is with uh, Nassim, and I'm spacing her last name, but she's um, an Iranian climber. Mm. And that was probably one of the earlier ones. And it was like, she she was talking from some crackly Wi-Fi, you know. But she's just like, her life is just so different from my life. But yet we're still linked by this passion of climbing. Um, and just, yeah, I was just sort of like blown away by her life experiences being so different from my own and like some of the hurdles she's had to face. And it's just really interesting. Um, and... You, know, you can read about what other countries are like in the news, but if you can relate to someone on something that you're so passionate about, like climbing, but then her getting to the crag, you know, is something that we all do. But for her, it's just such a different deal, you know, getting to the crag, who she climbs with or what she wears, or like what her family think about her, like all these things, you know, that, are just like quite mundane for us so like big deals so yeah that was a really cool conversation i think that is a a good one to point out oh hi what's up the dog just showed up tracking your poo bags <laughs> are you gonna pick up your own poo yeah it's just gonna take a big duke in here just a little <laughs> bit of criticism about the normal cast yeah i mean I, I think that is sort of peak curious climber because i think as a woman and also um, where you're from, probably, well, especially being a woman, got, you know, a whole different sort of level of honesty from someone like that and commitment. Mm -hmm. And I think even if I were to like, oh, you know, let me get her contact. I'd love to have her on the Armacast. Like, you know, American guy would be just a completely different conversation. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing, you know, there, there's other women doing climbing podcasts. But one thing I've just right away was like, oh, this is got its own thing um just because you have those different voices um mm. and you know i think i just like r remember thinking that right away like oh good you know there it's two women doing a podcast like perfect that's yeah that's gonna you know contribute to to the scene and to the uh to the setup yeah i've not really thought about the sort of gender split in podcasting there's probably def there's going to be more men doing it isn't there but i think it is one of those things it's very accessible it's very easy mm -hmm. to kind of get into 
And I think it's a bit, it's weird in a way because I think that introverted people who are maybe not super confident in like a face-to-face setting maybe or like a conversational setting can actually thrive in a podcast setting. It's weird because it's not, it's not like doing, put, putting yourself on video and putting it out to the world and having to edit it. And that feels more vulnerable, I think, than just having your voice recorded. It's still kind of, I don't know, how do you feel about this? Are you like so over it now? But like sometimes I'm, like I go through and, you know, we send, we send the podcast off for Stephen to edit, but I do go through them and I sort of check and maybe cut a few things out where someone said something that you know it's not necessary whatever but I'm like oh I've come across so dumb there or like you know (laughs) it is is kind of vulnerable in a way because you are you are sharing but what I like about it is there's enough nuance and there's a tone of your voice to I think get your actual meaning across Mm. whereas if you to write something down when discussing any of these topics like it'd be easy to see fault in it if you in your head pasted some kind of tone on it do you know what i mean like if you've already got in your head that maybe you don't like someone and then you read something that they've written and you can kind of like assume a tone that was never there but anyway going back to the gender thing yeah i think i think it's um yeah it's cool that there's a lot of women in the space now um, and, and to ask you a question, of course, I just like sit there and groan when I'm editing yeah, at okay. myself. Okay. And like, <laughs> that makes me feel bad. <laughs> oh, t- 100%. I mean, and the other thing is like, it, it, it's gone from like sort of being appalled to then people who listen to the show, they literally can have like drinking games about the way in which I phrase shit because I do it the same way all the time. Right. <laughs> What's okay. interesting is they're like, you know, it's like I have my phrases. And, yeah, okay. And, and it's an interesting thing to edit yourself over and over again because then you're just like, I've always sounded like that, but you've never noticed or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, I'll have to commend you, you know, for doing it because, you know, I, I don't think a lot of people love the way they sound. I hate the way I sound. Right. And I, I love voice. the way you sound, as, as I've told you many times. <laughs> I've begged you for audio you know, for the run out, your, your tea uh, time yeah. thing and all that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I never even listened to that. See, it's great. The, what's funny is I, <laughs> unless I have to, I, you know, there's been that's like full you, videos of me yeah. that I just haven't watched right. because I'm like, oh, that's probably all right. I just leave yeah. it. Yeah. But anyway, kudos to even, because it is, it's vulnerable. Yeah. And to listen to yourself is vulnerable and, and to put it out there. And, you know, I've never had a huge problem with the way I sound, but I definitely slap my forehead a lot when I'm editing. Because mm. I'm like, why didn't you just ask the question? Because that's my other thing. Is like, yeah. I run like a five-minute preamble to like yeah. a simple question. And I know I do it and I try not to. But, you know, I figure, yeah. fuck it. People like it. They're yeah, around. It's fine. Know. But yeah. the other thing about podcasting um, that, in going again, going back to the the sort of easy entry is that, and one thing I had to get over was that, you know, if you're going to be banging out a bunch of episodes, which you guys don't actually, so I admire that as well. You don't have to, but um, you don't always have to like hit it out of the park. Mm. And I remember like, it was probably a good attitude to have in the beginning. It's just like, mm. I want these to be better and better and better. And then the car- course running joke is that number 11 is still the best enormous cast with um, Craig DiMartino, oh, where he right. recounts falling 100 feet and losing his leg. Right. It's still like numero uno and in wow. terms of like fan favorite. So bigger I peaked than Alex at 11. Yeah. No, the, I mean number wise those are bigger. 
But as far as like enormous cast fans, like people, who I saw see, it's right? Yeah, okay. Just like, oh yeah. Oh, I should listen to it then. Episode, you know. So, yes, but but you know, it's okay. That's what I had to get over. I was like, it's okay that this one's not my favorite. You know, it's okay that. Oh, totally, yeah. 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 But it like, might be someone else's favorite. You don't know that, you know. I talked to uh, to Niall about that. How? Yeah. There's been so many where I've put them out, and I'm just like, hey, eh, you know, mm. I didn't do that great. I was tired, and guest was okay, and then someone's like, that's my favorite one, you know. Yeah. And I'm like. Okay. Because people relate to different yeah, things totally. and it's nice. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's talk a little bit more about you, if that's okay. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. You know, actually, it's funny because I want one last thing is I, I wanted to say that, like, part of the when you got in the RV to do the to do my podcast originally, like, I, I'm almost certain you were like had all this consternation about how you sounded and. Like, oh yeah, I was way about. more yeah. nervous about it back then. <laughs> It's so funny. Um, just recently, I don't know if you want to conclude this or not, but um, you remember I used to date Will Stanhope, mm-hmm. um, when I and that I I sort of dated him before I was a professional climber. But he, someone came to film him on the grit when he came to visit me once. We didn't do anything cool, so it never got turned into a film. But he recently, Paul Diffley, this is from High Productions. He just recently released this little film of, of me and Will doing like pretty easy stuff on the grit. And it's so funny how like how different I am on camera. Mm-hmm. I'm so grumpy, and the guy's like, "How was that route?" And I was like, "Yeah, it was all right. Yeah, it's quite nice." <laughs> You're the kind of podcast just, guest you you complain yeah, about totally. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, "Wow, that's that's my natural mode," and like everything how I've changed is like because of being a professional climber, I've become someone who can do these things, you know, and. Mm. You do have to learn these skills if you want to sort of be in these roles. Yeah, yeah. You have to be a little bit more... Animated. um, (laughs) I'll send you the clip. It's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, that's actually what I wanted to seg to was talking about you as a professional because the, you know, your climbing has evolved, obviously. But I think along with that has been this evolution of you um, not even if it's not just professional climber, but as sort of a public figure, and 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 what you just said like plays into that. But we we were joking about how you're just this grubby dirtbag that you know is getting some free shoes and shit um, back in the day, and now you make a complete and I don't know how decent a living it is, but it seems to keep you in in your van and on the road and doing what you want to do. So l- let's talk about some of the facets of that. Um, when and what was the impetus for sort of the clinics and the idea of the mental training? I mean, I've already always been interested in the psychological side of climbing, right? I think that's that's the part of it that's most interesting and really like it always comes back to psychology, like even the physical training, like how do you motivate for it? You know, all the best climbers have something mental that enables them to be who they are and they also all struggle with that as well it it doesn't seem to come easy you know even if you're not if you're a really bold climber you might still struggle with fear of failure or something like that right and I read the rock warriors way when I was at uni and I was like oh right wow like this whole psychology this whole psychological part of climbing you can actually kind of train it it's the first time I'd really thought about being able to train your mind and then I was like oh yeah that could be cool um 
And it was funny. So I like, you know, I, I did like a little bit of research and kind of like bore from my own experience. And I actually started coaching someone um, when I was at uni to like as a part-time job sort of thing. And it was um, a friend of mine at first. He was incredibly afraid. And, you know, we did some like little falls and stuff like that. But I obviously just didn't know enough at all. I was just like, just not a good coach yet, right? Because I'd like literally just read one book, thought about my own experiences and then like took this guy. <laughs> and so I gave him his money back. <laughs> and we're still friends now. That's yeah, so I didn't like make, I didn't make it worse, but it was clear that I wasn't really helping either, you know? <laughs> but he was probably, he was a tough, person to coach too um just quite a deep fear of heights and ropes and falling and stuff have um, you offered to come back around uh i don't know now how much he climbs anymore oh, okay. but yeah i've not i've not asked i don't see him that much but yeah i could I he's could like ask he's him. like your don wall of, of psych <laughs> yeah. training you've gotta like when i'm like 50 <laughs> i could crack him <laughs> <laughs> so anyway then and then i became a professional climber but it was always kind of in my mind that maybe that's something i wanted to do and then I got this heinous um, shoulder injury, which kind of freed up quite a bit of time for me. And I was like, well, I'm just going to start reading. I'm going to start learning, researching stuff, and we'll see what, where this goes. And then I did like a coaching diploma, which basically makes me a life coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, I mean, I do do a bit of life coaching actually, but it's, it's really just the skill of like how to converse with people in a way where you get them to explore their own experience and what's going on for them and help them come to the answers that are right for them, basically. And uh, it's quite a cool skill. So I did that. And then I, I also like went and hung out with Arno Ilner, who became like a little bit of a mentor for me. And um, I thought about w- working for them, but it felt a little bit restrictive. So then I was like, well, I'll just do my own thing. And did some other courses and then started like working as kind of a remote coach so actually like having conversations with people over zoom and then started running workshops which I do love I love working with people in person but they're they're quite difficult from a time perspective um whereas it's really easy to fit in like one hour calls with people and so, yeah, I've been doing that alongside my professional climbing for like the last seven years now. It's been a while since 2015. And then just this year, I was like, oh, how can I scale this? Because I'm busy. I don't really want to have loads of clients. And so then I made like an online course. So like everything that I kind of teach and coach people around, I like put it into this online course, which is a really interesting experience because I just had to talk into a camera. It was sort of like doing a solo video podcast about Mm. certain topics and then create lessons and stuff. And I did it in like two months, which is like a really short amount of time. I've never worked so hard in my life. I was basically just doing like 10 hours a day, every day kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But that was a great success. Um, And then off the back of that, and now I've created this business and hopefully it will sort of grow into something cool where I can bring in other coaches as well. So it's not all just me. Um, I think it'd be really nice. Yeah. What's the, I mean, what's the deal with the video? Is it like a pay-per-view kind of thing? No, you buy the course. Yeah. It's not available at the moment. So I did, I've done two cohorts. 
and my partner Angus helps me with this and we and we brought on two other coaches for the last cohort as well but basically it's a six weeks course there's six chapters and um you just buy the whole course and within each chapter there's various lessons and it kind of builds sort of makes sense the way it's laid out and then there's also like a group on Slack, like with forums and people can ask questions and communicate with each other and share experiences and things. And then there's also live Q and A's where people can come and ask questions about different parts. And then the idea is they kind of like apply what they've learned to their own climbing, have experiences, then feedback that, that back mm-hmm. to us. And then we can kind of help them and mentor them through this journey. Part of it's performance based. So part of it's like, how can I improve? And if people feel like their mind is the thing that holds them back, it's kind of like how to um, overcome those mental barriers and challenges. Then also a big part of it, though, is people realizing that they don't enjoy climbing half as much as they'd like to because of either fear of falling or like a lack of confidence or fear of failure, performance anxiety. Like there's a lot in it. I don't know, like if if how aware you are of it but like you can go to the crag and there's a lot of people not having the best time <laughs> i don't know if you if you notice this where you climb but there's a lot of people like who are serious so, and they are not psyched solid. until they send you know yeah. and i've been there myself this is not something that i'm immune to at all um but you were, you were uh, yeah you were there um back to the conception thing yeah i mean you the conception's classic I example with you and, yeah, yeah you were not no, I wasn't that psyched. No. But what was really cool about Conception is I so I did Magic Line that same year. Right. And I was basically like, I can't have another conception on Magic Line. So I did all of this psychological prep basically for the route and it really helped. Oh right. And I so had you... such a better experience right. with it. Not only did I do the route and it's a much harder route, but the main thing was is I was like I was pretty positive throughout the whole process. Whereas with conception, it was like all the classic issues of like, why haven't I done it yet? I remember you know, you expectations. That exact thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's sort of like a lot of a lot of it's about enjoyment. But I think the th- what's cool is um, the two things aren't mutually exclusive. I think people are like, oh, well, it's very well like enjoying climbing, but I'm not here f- to f- have fun. Like. I'm serious about this. I'm passionate about this. I want to do well. And that's totally fair enough. But I think with the right kind of mental training, the two things are not mutually exclusive, right? And I think actually when you're a happier climber, you generally climb better. Like negativity weighs an amount, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much. depending on the amount, yeah, yeah, totally. Like it, yeah. it pulls you down, you know, but if you feel psyched and positive, you, you know, you're lifted up by it. You have more energy, you feel lighter. Let me ask you a couple questions about you in this process. Um, you know, you, I guess, kind of made a little bit, well, you were definitely a track climber um, and then made a name for yourself on some bold climbing and, and still do, I think. So, you know, you're probably delving into your own psyche here. You also just mentioned that you were, you know, your, your proclivity is for grumpiness. <laughs> when you're not on um, oh i don't know yeah. i don't know if that's true actually <laughs> okay well I yeah just, you know, I, I don't think so i think i'm earlier. i'm generally like um, just reticence maybe. it's just the britishness okay. you know right, i think right, that's, yeah yeah type of shit okay i think in the uk i'm not seen as like that just maybe in the states yeah yeah i mean in the magic line is a good story but yeah it's interesting how maybe you know i mean all these things you have to sort of i guess probably have some self-serving impetus to begin anyway um but yeah, I mean, discovering like 
you know, did you sort of discover cracks in your foundation while you were researching all this sort of stuff or, you know? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I struggle with all the same stuff that all climbers struggle with, but I've just thought a lot about it, you know? So like conception is probably one of the worst ones I would say. And part of that is because it was like a bit of a weird time in my life as well. I think that often feeds into it, doesn't it? If you're not that happy in your life, mm-hmm. it's pretty hard to have a good mindset in your climbing and you you lean too much on your climbing as well to fill whatever emotional stuff's going on. I can still get scared like of falling right next to a bolt sometimes, but I just know what to do when that right. happens. <laughs> and I keep an eye on it. And if it happens too often... I know how to approach it. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, if I, if I feel like fear of failure is affecting the climbing decisions that I'm making, you know, I also know how to, to go about that. But it's not, you know, I am still a work in progress massively, you know, and we all are. And I think that's what's cool about it is it's sort of like this never-ending journey and there's no sort of place to arrive at. Well, you know, the other thing I was thinking about, again, going, it's almost like building on the podcasting thing, too, is that, you know, having a woman of your caliber is a climber. Um, and again, like having, you know, made a name for themselves as a track climber, but also you're, you know, you're a talented sport climber. Like you've got it all in a lot of ways, freaking, you know, Friedel cap, like all the pieces. I don't know what your bouldering's like, but I don't really care. Um, <laughs> I climbed my first AA last year. Oh, sick. Yeah. What is that? I think that's V11. All right. Well, then you got that as well. What, I mean, what's your sort of observation with dealing with both genders? Are there, are there typicals or is it just a, a as a coach? Yeah. In terms of like what you're, what you're dealing with, you know, what you're giving to them and what you're also getting from them. Yeah. So there's definitely more women are attracted to my coaching. Like, well, the course was more women, but I also get a lot of men. Yeah, I coach a lot of men Mm -hmm. too. It's not like overwhelmingly women. I see some kind of broad patterns, Mm -hmm. I would say. I don't think that women are more scared than men, but I think they feel more freedom to express it, which has pros and cons for the individual. Sure. So the pro is that they are willing to talk about it with their friends they are willing more willing to ask for support these are obviously massive generalizations and you can Mm -hmm. obviously think of exceptions Mm -hmm. but these this is what i noticed um they're more willing to ask for help and they're more honest about how they feel and they're not only more honest to others but also to themselves they are more ready to go i'm stressed now i'm afraid now but because from a societal level, they're kind of more allowed to be afraid. It can keep them fixed there, mm-hmm. you know? And so they can fall into this, like, I'm, I'll never be a bold climber. Sure. I'm a scared climber. Sure. And because society sort of allows them to stay in that space more than with men, they maybe like are less motivated to get out of it or they don't have that like growth mindset, that belief as much to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with men, they're less allowed to feel afraid. So they're often less honest about it, which is more difficult as a coach. (laughs) Like I've worked with the SAS, which is like special, special forces group in the UK doing full practice stuff with them. 
And they're like the most, you know, they, they reflect like all the manliness, right? These guys are total badasses, like trained killers, like, you know, doing the scariest shit. And their whole identity is based on the fact that they're not allowed to be afraid. And like coaching them is so hard because it's like, I can visibly see that they, there's a stress response going on and they just will not see it. It's like, you are breathing so fast. I can see the sweat on your brow. Right. Like you'll look, your eyes are darting everywhere. Like these are clear signs that you're stressed. You're like, I'm totally calm. Right. I'm completely relaxed. It's like, right. this is not what it means to relax. So sometimes getting men to like look in at their kind of emotions and bodily sensations and actually be honest with how they feel in the moment is more difficult. But I think because society expects them to be brave, there's often sometimes that impotence maybe to push themselves and step out their comfort zone a bit more and they're more celebrated for that. But then they also are like less likely to ask for help and support and they also talk way less about it, whereas like women support each other so much more than men support each other. Yeah, I mean, those, like you said, those are broad swipes, but it's nothing I haven't heard before. You know, Mm -hmm. teaching um, with with Steph Davis, she has a women's clinic and she also has a crack clinic that I help with, which is often a majority women because like yourself, you know, it's when women are out there looking for a coach or for a, someone to teach them climbing, they're definitely more apt to, I think to, to go with someone like themselves. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, I, and I kind of wanted to get here and we've just gotten here is that when I've thought about this mental training thing and I've talked to other coaches and stuff and it's like so interesting that, okay, you're dealing with falling and fear and becoming a better climber and all these sorts of things. But then, it's so clear that all of a sudden you like are like peeling away some onions skins to like these deeper things and like, you know, into this sort of psychology of like what it is to be that person. And I mean, has that been like a, an interesting and sort of fascinating element or has it been a scary element? Has it been kind of wild to sort of like, okay, now we know, you know, it's like the, the classic psychology thing. So like, tell me about your mother, you know, or whatever kind of thing. <laughs> or tell me yeah. about your father. Was he, you know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, where, where, I mean, tell me some sort of like uh, insight into that, that maybe you run into. I mean, not specifics, but what's that yeah. like? Yeah. It's, it's tied up, you know, it's all tied totally. up. Yeah. I mean, we take the same mind with us everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. We might use different muscles for different tasks, but we've only got one brain. Yeah, I mean, someone, I just did some coaching work in Kalimnos and one of the girls on that, she had done the uh, Strong Mind course, which is that online course. And she was basically saying to me, like, she thought she was just coming on the course for her climbing and it opened all these doors. And, you know, it, some of it was good, but some of it sounded a bit bad as well, that like she had to confront a lot of these demons that she didn't know were there. And she realized what, work she had to do basically which mm. she was completely unexpected for her and it but I think that's cool overall it's it's difficult it's challenging project but I think overall it's really good because until you know something about yourself you can't do anything to change it right but I would say like I'm not a psychologist right. and I'm not a counselor <laughs> sure. and I'm a coach so the work I do it's very forward looking it's not why are you the way you are? Sure. I don't ask people about their parents or their childhood <laughs> or anything like that, right? It's what can we do that's kind of proactive and positive and helps you get where you want to go? 
And that's my job. I think it would be professionally derelict to do so. And that's the first rule of coaching is what you you learn (laughs) about what your boundaries are. And, you know, there's a lot of people I coach where I have to say that's for a therapist, you know, and a lot of people actually do receive coaching from me while also working alongside a therapist. And so you kind of ring fence certain things. Um, But the therapist can't help them with the climbing side of it. You know, so it can be quite a nice, like, dual thing for people. But it's really, it's so quickly spills over into mental health. And, you know, I'm studying mental health and stuff. And, um, yeah, it's difficult, especially with the whole kind of performance anxiety, fear of failure stuff, because it very quickly becomes about self-worth. And I think there's so much of that in our community, right, where people's self-worth are, is com- completely attached to they're climbing and that's of the dangers of having that be that way um so yeah it can get interesting (laughs) yeah i mean you're just such a thoughtful person that i just imagine that you know there's these gears spinning all the time about like okay what's really going on here but my professional side is not going to delve but your brain is going to i'm certain yeah yeah (laughs) although you know i i'm definitely like i am a more you know, psychology is difficult, right? Yeah. Like, I don't like the whole let's work out what's wrong with you thing. Yeah, yeah. I do not really like that approach to psychology. And I think it can work for a lot of people. But you can also just have someone tell you, like, you're broken because of this that happened in your childhood. And, like, that I, kind of sets that can stone. be really unhelpful yeah. as well for a lot yeah. of people. Because now it's like, well, helping in my childhood, there's nothing to do to change it or whatever. Yeah. yeah it's already and done. I think we like can. Broken. Yeah, and we, yeah. I think that it's nicer to, and that, you know, the positive psychology movement was, was in response to that, right, of this whole the patient always feels broken thing and how negative psychology was. And then we had the positive psychology movement, which is that everyone's whole and fine how they are. And when we kind of accept ourselves as we are, we can then make the life's changes to get better. It's like, you know, people who kind of, you know, might overeat or have bad eating habits. It's like often when they accept their bodies as they are, you know, and there's some self-love there, then they start making better habits around that stuff. Mm. Whereas if you're sort of saying, okay, you're broken and that's why you've you've got bad habits or whatever it's, it makes you feel bad about yourself right yeah. and that's as soon as we start this is, self-loathing is just like such a horrible thing like we're never going to make good decisions for ourselves from a place of self-loathing so i'm generally quite a forward so even though like gears might be turning they're turning more to how can i help this person sure. move forward rather than i'm going to work out why they are the way right. they are you know totally, yeah. it's too complex as well yeah, yeah. It's way too complex. Right. Like you can say, oh yeah, your relationship with your dad has shaped this part of you, but <laughs> it's so complex. I mean, what does that even mean? Yeah, it's exactly. like a sentence about something that's like taken 20 years to, and like billions of neurons in your brain to like <laughs> wash out to be who you are today. Sure, yeah. So tell me about your dad. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> actually, we talked about your dad on the last one. Yeah. Um, your dad's a badass. I want to ask you this question. It's a little bit tricky um, because I sort of consider you a little bit of a, like, I don't know if an icon, like a role model of, of body image. Um, and I'm going to tread lightly to tell you why. Um, you just recently, what did you send in Spain? Escalata Masters. Yeah. Like yeah. how hard was that thing? 
It's given 9A, yeah. 9A. So I mean, like 14D. a serious sport climb, like, you know, seriously high-graded sport climb. You know, a lot, a lot of ways, and you've talked about this, and you just actually kind of blew through it a second ago um, about body image and self-loathing. And in a lot of ways, for some reason, I've thought of you as sort of like, I don't know, this kind of like good example. And, you know, I don't know what's going on in your head, speaking of, you know, what's making you tick. Um, but as someone who does all these disciplines with the body they have, you don't appear to, you know, throw, you know, weight performance around, stuff like that too heavily. And you've always been a good spokesperson for, for sort of women's body image. Where, where do you kind of stand on that? Um, as part of your role, I guess, again, as, you know, literally a role model, especially Mm -hmm. women in the last 10 years in this sport, accomplished women, you know, I think are just such these inspirations for girls getting into the sport. So where do you, where do you put yourself in that kind of like role model part of, of being who you are? It's tricky. I mean, cause I think that, God, the whole weight body image thing's hard but yeah I'd like to think that I can be a bit of a role model to people who do not have like a typical professional climber body you Mm -hmm. know who not just have like stick legs and stuff but at the same time I think it's hard to be a role model for that kind of thing because you don't know what's going on under the surface and I think I have pretty healthy eating habits you know like I try to eat for health rather than you know like I I don't hate food you know like I I like food but I don't think I overeat either um so I think I have like a a pretty healthy relationship with food and weight um I definitely have struggled in the past though with like just feeling like oh I just look different for you know going to this oleana for example and being like wow i have so much more body fat than everyone else here or i have so much more muscle mass as well because it's definitely not just i think like how much body fat thing you've got because like a lot of sport climbers don't especially women don't have a lot of muscle mass either right so just feeling like a bigger climber and going like oh you know maybe i'm missing the part of this right, right. where like i put me over the top or whatever isn't that always the question right kind of yeah but i think i think what's been good for me is like i've actually just not i've never been interested in like being the best at all costs mm-hmm. or being really like better than other people and i think that's helped me be like well i'm going to climb as hard as i can climb because i enjoy that process i don't really enjoy dieting and thinking about food all the time so part that's not going to be part of the process for me um interestingly though I did actually see a nutritionist about for this past route that I climbed yeah and it's quite interesting I work with this guy called Tom Herbert you might have seen him online sure. he's, he's quite he's quite got got quite a lot of interesting things to say but it started off with eating loads more <laughs> which is hard <laughs> it's not nice like having to eat a lot you know so that was his first advice yeah so the first the first part of it was like eating a lot more than what I currently was especially protein and I didn't really put on any weight and I think I had a bit more energy but I didn't really like having to hit these targets you know like I don't really like having to think about what I'm eating every day like I'd rather like do intuitive eating and just you know eat when it feels right and stuff but it was interesting nonetheless because it kind of helped me I've always thought you know although I've 
consider myself have quite a healthy relationship with food. I've always thought I probably eat more than other climbers. And if I ate less, maybe I'd weigh less, maybe I'd climb harder, that kind of thing. But then when I started eating more, I was like, actually, I kind of need to turn my psychology around because I'm not using food as this like training impetus. And I didn't really have any knowledge around that. So what he was trying to tell me to do is not just eat more, but eat more around like training times and stuff because it really helps you recover if you can like eat a bunch around the training window. So anyway, that helped me quite a bit. And then before the route, we worked on trying to bring the calories down a bit and lose a bit of weight for the route, which is something I've never done before, right? In this like, in this way or really at all, full stop. And that was really interesting. And, you know, I think that's the kind of like healthy approach for pro climbers uh, or people in sport. It's not just eat as little as possible all the time. It's like, if you really want to do a route and it means a lot to you, how about losing like two kilograms max to give you a little bit of an edge so you feel a little bit lighter on the holds if, if that's something you want to do. But like in our culture, we've got people who are obviously chronically under eating, which is a completely different story, you know. Anyway, it was really hard eating less as well. So eating more was hard, eating less was hard. Oh, I did it and it might have helped a bit. I don't know. I, I lost a few kilograms. I don't like structure. I don't like being told what to do. I already had a training plan and then to have this whole nutrition bit on top of it, I was like, yeah, I don't think I'll do it's that so again. It's so funny because <laughs> you're like the coach who's like a miserable coach E. <laughs> totally. So my best mate coached me, Maddie. He was, she was like, Jesus, this is, a, yeah. this is the worst. <laughs> totally. Totally. And I'm just moaning every day. <laughs> I'm just great. such a natural outdoor climber. Doctors are terrible patients. So yeah. It's, it's all the yeah. same thing. So, um, well, you know, when I, I had a podcast um, where, you know, I was training and, and Chris Hampton was on. Um, and, and we actually kind of like, it was sort of this tricky thing to dance around this, like losing weight for climbing. Yeah. You know, because it wasn't entirely, you know, it's like if you're a performance athlete, then that's, you do manipulate your body, whether you're strength yeah. training, whether you're losing weight and it's not just climbing, but obviously it, it play and it's like the messaging is tricky because of this whole, you know, who are we talking to? And like you said, what are the things going on in their head? To be like, because some people would be like, you can't possibly talk about losing weight to climb, and that's just sort of naive in terms totally. of sports. It's not. It's totally yeah. naive. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I also think that you don't. You know, someone might look at me and be like, "Oh, well, she doesn't have an eating disorder," but I could do. Yeah. Do you know? You know like I think we think, oh, only skinny people have right. got eating disorders, right. but it's just not true at all. Yeah, disordered eating is. Yeah, it's it's a whole multitude yeah. of different things. But also, you can be under eating and still not look really skinny. I mean, me and Mina have done so many podcasts right. about this. You know, Mina was quite slim when she was under eating, but no one would have looked at her and gone, you're unhealthy. Right. But underneath, you know, she was losing bone density. She had zero hormones. You know, she she if she'd continued, she could have affected her fertility, all sorts of problems you know so I'm all about like people pushing their boundaries and stuff but when it starts to affect your health especially long-term health it's like why are you doing it is being the best so important to you that you're going to affect your long-term health I mean that's just not where my priorities are at all right you know I don't even want to affect my day-to-day well-being that much to like <laughs> do you know what I mean right 
in the classic <laughs> British thing, you can't be bothered. <laughs> can't be us, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a good message. And, and I guess like that's kind of like my question, I guess, is twofold. You know, speaking of your public persona versus your, you know, like I'm interested in, in your struggles around eating, but, you know, there's also like you, you have to, you know, think about your, your projection and your message around it as well, I think a little bit. Yeah. And I think the podcast has been a good space to do that because mm-hmm. I thought about doing an Instagram post about telling people about my, pr- I probably will at some point about the process of climbing that route and how nutrition was a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, most of it wasn't about losing those two kilograms. It was about trying to fuel properly for the route sure. and the training and, you know, using food in as a tool but it's hard to talk about yeah like you say because it's so triggering for people and it's so easy to have people you know take things the wrong way yeah but it's like you can't you can like craft your message and 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 then it's it's out there so that i think the debate then is whether you just shut up about it or you see enough positive and talking about it that's probably like the the line you need to find yeah do you know what i mean because i mean obviously you could just shut up about it and but then who knows I mean, we talk about it on yeah, the podcast yeah, people so. i think people no, who I, listen i'm not to the saying pod- you specifically yeah, but yeah. as a climber as a professional climber, i think we should woman, talk about it more yeah. i think so much of the problem is that we don't talk about it and i think part of that is because we we so you know of the people who obviously do not have a healthy weight or are not having healthy relationships with food are you going to call them out you're not going to do that are you but i mean how many professional climbers do we have in our community who obviously under eating i mean so many it's mental and it's so hard like the young women especially although i think you're you're, i think we are missing the male part of this in a big way for sure I just think there's so much other body image pressures on women that are not maybe on men as much, but that's arguable. Well, from society, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, Beauty standards. But to be fair, like, like, if you're, like, slightly overweight dude, like, and, you know, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of pressures for men as well that we don't talk about. Yeah, for just for young people coming up in the sport, I think it's really hard looking at their role models and going, oh, right, I have to look like that. You know, we, we've lo- normalized something that's really not that healthy. And well, I, we have to come yeah. to terms with that at some point. And I know like that film Light by Caroline Treadway mm-hmm. is trying to do that, but it's so difficult. I mean, I personally don't know why they don't have stricter body mass index stuff on the comps. The other thing is, you know, just in my lifetime, which is, you know, a, a long climbing career, 30 some, 32 years now. I mean, performance obviously has always been in climbing, but this focus on performance, because it's so easily definable within bouldering and sport climbing and gym climbing, I think that's also like everyone coming into sport, it's just like that's, that's the whole thing is performance. Like, did you do the, the yellow route? Okay, you yeah, did it. Let's do that. You know what of, I mean? It's, yeah. In a heavier way, because as a trad climber, and you know this, like the mental game is such a huge part of it. And the adventure as well, yeah, which adventure, is you can't define right. the grade. And like I, you know, I spent 25 years not thinking about training at all and getting a lot mm-hmm. of cool shit done. You yeah, know what same. I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I climbed like, my yeah. first 8C yeah. without the, <laughs> right. a, in a year where I never climbed indoors. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. if you come into the sport now, you hear about training 
almost immediately. Yeah, right? totally, yeah. Which, like, in 1990, like, anybody had meant, like, there was, I had some vague idea that the backer ladder destroyed your elbows and you should stay the fuck off yeah. of it. You know, that was, like, the end of training for yeah. me. You know what I mean? So it's, like, it, it's, I think there's these, it's a different, it's a different sport in that sense, I think, that you get blasted with performance and with training like much earlier than yeah totally I mean, even 10 years ago or 15 years ago it was something yeah. for professionals yeah you know um but but i think we do like part of this comes right back to psychology and, and mindset which is you know what why are you climbing are you climbing to be better than your peers mm -hmm. and is that what's driving you to try and lose ridiculous amounts of body mass or are you try are you climbing because you enjoy the experience and if you're climbing because you enjoy the experience, you'll probably enjoy it just as much, if not more, where if you're at a healthy weight. More. More. Because you're not. Because you're not miserable. Yeah. You're not miserable <laughs> and you've got energy. And, right. you know, Steve at the Nugget Climbing, he talks a lot about this and it's really cool because he struggled with his eating. And mm. he was having a terrible time, like, psyching himself up to walk to the crag. Right. You know, because he's so little energy. How how can you call yourself an athlete if you can barely walk to the right, crack? Right. Like, like that's mental, isn't mm -hmm. it? That that's yeah, but what I mean, climbing. it is mental. Like to, I know you mean that as you know, as, <laughs> yeah. as a euphemism, but I mean it's all in there, right? Yeah. yeah. So. so I think it's coming back to the experience of climbing and coming back to why you climb can really help with these sorts of things. For sure. Let's let's bring it back to you. The experience of climbing. Um, we haven't talked at all about your climbing. So much has happened um, since we talked last time, but that's okay. Um, but let me just like the most recent sort of thing I know about anyway is this is back to this 9A, this thing you were, I mean, was that a big breakthrough for you in, in any way or, you know, where did that fit into the the arc of like the last few years? Yeah, it's weird. I, it, it, I it's hard to say, to be honest. I still think Magic Line is my biggest like sure. single pitch achievement. Mm -hmm. um, and it was the, even though I didn't need to be as physically fit or strong for that route, in terms of like climbing mastery, it was a harder challenge, you sure. know, just because the technical level was so high. Not that the route I did in Spain wasn't technical, but it was much more about being fit enough. Like once I'd worked out the most efficient way to do the moves, it was about the physical side more than anything. And the mental side was more, you know, focusing in the moment, you know, really being on it when the, when the time came. And, it, you know, I did it quicker than I thought. Like it just kind of happened. Like once I got fit enough, I just kind of did it. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like a bit of a letdown in a way because it wasn't this big thing. You know, my right. boyfriend did the route as well and it was a much bigger process for him. I think that's probably a common experience for your boyfriends, but <laughs> <laughs> anyhow. <laughs> so know. like it was a bigger thing, bigger yeah. deal for him, you know, because he had to put more into it. So it's a part of me is like, yeah, I don't know what how it fit in. And mm -hmm. it's weird because like in Europe, the grade 9A is like a big deal. Obviously here it's 15A because of just round numbers are so arbitrary. But, but um, you know, I just don't feel like a 9A climber. And I kind of injured myself right after I did it. And like now my climbing, I'm now back to being a 7A climber again, you know. But what was cool about it is it, I, I just loved climbing on the route. Mm -hmm. Like it was just so fun. Such a cool route and just... I just had great experiences with the climbing on mm -hmm. it. And I think it just sounds boring, doesn't it? But that, that was the takeaway. I, don't know, I was just climbing on the roof. Well, it's, <laughs> it, I, you know, magic line obviously is super badass, but for some reason I, I, and this is just kind of what I sort of know vaguely about your climbing career is like, 
I felt like, okay, that's like in her wheelhouse. You yeah. Know, that kind of like, you know, this sort of semi-slabby, like hyper-technical. Did you, by the way, take what seems to be the re- requisite groundfall? Nope. Okay, good. <laughs> seems like that kind of goes with that route for some reason. Um, I mean, not that many people have done it or tried it. So <laughs> That's what I mean, like a large percentage of them sound yeah. like they at least hit the ground one time, including yeah. our, our poor friend Tommy. Oh, yeah. Oh, Achilles shit. Up. Yeah. Oh, so was that with a ground fall uh-huh, off it? Oh, uh-huh. crap. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> I didn't know that. But, um, you know, so I, I just had this image of you on that slab. and uh, But it's but, actually slightly overhanging. Sure, sure. But you know what I mean? Like, I, I, that's what I'm saying. Is yeah. I have no, like, real reference for this. But yeah, yeah, it's more in my wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so um, I was like, gosh, she's like, I mean, steep, like, gnar. Yeah. In the thick of it, Spain, sport climbing. I'm like, okay, she's, like, going for it but in, I, this, in this other realm. But maybe your sport climbing is... A lot deeper than I, I know about. Yeah, I think I think people do think that of me, you know. They think of me oh, as this sort of like trad us, right? thing. But I also think like I wonder if like my shape makes people think that I'm not that good at sport climbing either, right? Sorry, but I have to agree with you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, isn't that weird? Because like loads of people are like, oh, like trad climber, trad climber, trad climber. I'm like, I've just spent the last three months sport climbing and like, there's professional climbers out there, professional female climbers who are sponsored for being an 8C or 8C plus sport climber, right? Sure. Maybe not as much anymore, but right. it's not like I'm like a crappy sport, even before I did this 9A. Like, it's not like I'm, a, yeah, I did, I, I did fish it. eye in like five days. Yeah, what about? You know what I mean? It's just because I've got massive thighs. People are like, you must be shit at sport climbing. <laughs> Like, no, actually. <laughs> I actually am quite an endurance athlete. Like, I get my fitness pretty quick. It's I'm weak is the fucking thing. Lay, it in, lay into us. Yeah. Set us fucking straight. Yeah. Quit, quit focusing on what she looks like. Yeah, exactly. How she climbs. Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I, it, it's partially the media, right? I mean, it, and, and also love... partially what my interest is. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can disappear into Spain and climb, you know, super hard sport climb and you, know, you just don't. No one knows it. about yeah, it, and then you yeah. do some gnar thing above RPs, and we're gonna all find out about it. So it's not yeah. like we can keep track of every little damn thing you're doing either, Hazel. I mean, I'm sure Why your not? fans you can. Should be. <laughs> it's very important. <laughs> but anyway, congratulations on that. Thanks. And on yeah. Magic Line, because the other thing that's awesome, because I just like have such a love for all rounders. You know, mm. and that, I mean, that puts you in this pretty like rarefied all arounder category, which I mean, I know where you came from as a, you know, as a tradition with your, with but, your climbing. It's like, you know, it's I gotta did, be something to I be did enter of. the comps when I was a kid. Like people go. don't know this about me. Like I climbed a bit on plastic when mm-hmm. I was a kid. I wasn't just like straight into the trad stuff. Mm-hmm. I was British champion a few times. I'll have you know. I didn't know that. <laughs> getting all defensive now maybe you saw me some do some pull-ups you'd be like you are just yeah you're a trad you're a traddy if you if you see me down at grasshopper today you'll be like how the hell did she get up that night folks isn't she great isn't she fucking great thanks to hazel for doing that we both thought that we had actually done two enormous casts already 
but I think we got really close to doing one when she was in town in Utah for conception, but uh, didn't pull the trigger, which is probably good because it sounded like maybe it wouldn't have been peak Hazel Finlay. And if you are interested in more Hazel Finlay or her coaching, you can go to hazel-finlay.com. Someone else must have hazelfinlay.com without the dash. Maybe go check that out. See, see, see what that Hazel Finley's got going. Um, but anyway, hazel-finley.com. You can link to her coaching there as well as all of her media, stuff like that. It's actually well up to date website, although I did not click on the ubiquitous blog link to see where her blog lies, how out of date that likely is. Anyhow, all right, folks, Hazel Finley has managed to do a ton of scary climbing without wrecking herself. So. The least you can do to honor that legacy is not erect yourself on normal climbing. <laughs> and of course, that takes vigilance, attention, and watching out for each other, and of course, checking everybody's knots. Oh, and stick around through the outro song for an example of what you might expect from one of Hazel's coaching sessions. <laughs> Remain. 